So my childhood home had a very beautiful backyard with tons of trees all around. And I remember spending countless beautiful spring days and some swelteringly hot summer days with my family working in the yard. Sometimes we would be mulching together. I really liked that. Or sometimes we'd be weeding, and I didn't really like that. But my favorite thing to do in the yard, by all, like the, the best thing, the most fun thing that I, that I loved doing, was trimming. Let me just say, first of all, that there's something really manly and just something like deeply satisfying about chopping off giant branches of trees. It's just kind of awesome, it's fun. And I loved pulling out those giant clippers and going to town on all of those trees and shrubs around my parents' house. And I was actually pretty good at it. My dad basically gave me free reign to do whatever I thought was needed to the trees to clean them up and make them look beautiful. But there was this one time where I went a little bit overboard. I was out there trimming this one crab apple tree and I thought it really needed some trimming. I thought it needed some serious trimming. And let's just say that I gave that poor crab apple tree a buzz cut. I, I think, when I look back at this, I think what happened was I had gotten pretty arrogant and a little bit too self-confident. I was brash and presumptuous as I went out there all by myself and hacked away at all of those branches. I had overestimated my own judgment and my own skill, and I ended up just trimming way too much off of that tree. And there was just no fixing it once that was done. No magical edit, undo, control Z button. It took several years before that tree looked remotely presentable again. But as I remember that, and as I remember how angry my dad was when he came home to see this poor little tree, I, I, I think back and I'm like, well, I'm glad that happened. I'm, I'm grateful for that memory. Because I learned a very valuable lesson that day in humility. And I'm still learning this same lesson even down to today. And this lesson is this. That I don't always know what branches to keep and what branches to chop off. In our gospel today, Jesus says those famous words to us. I am the vine, you are the branches. It is an image of the kind of deep intimacy and interconnectedness that the church really truly is sharing with Jesus right now. We are so united with him by our baptism. We're grafted onto the vine, the one true vine, by our gift of baptism. And now we are really truly a single organism, a living thing. The church is not an institution. It's not just a business. It's a living vine. But I wonder if, if my experience as a kid with that crabapple tree sometimes describes our attitude or our experience with regard to the church in general. We might sometimes look around at our fellow branches and we might decide rather rashly, well, that branch just doesn't belong here. That branch really does need to be cut off or at least cut back. 
It's wild. It's unruly. I don't understand it. It's growing in a way that I just don't quite get. So often, we look at people as obstacles or as problems or as projects to solve rather than living branches that we must tend and cultivate and help to bear more fruit. And so, just like I once did, we sometimes break out those clippers and we start hacking away at branches left and right. And before long, we might start hacking off branches that are really actually super important. We might even end up giving the Church of Jesus a buzz cut. We see this happening in the early church in our first reading today. We see that tendency at work. Look at Saul's experience from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We read there, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. In other words, they did not believe that he was really a branch on the vine. They were, understandably, suspicious. Here was a man who was just recently persecuting the church, taking Christians captive, men, women, and children alike. Here was a murderer and a villain, someone that the church should certainly oppose, right? It was not until Barnabas, quote, took charge of him and brought him to the apostles and then explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord and had spoken to him. It was only then that the church realized this man has had an incredible conversion. He has changed. Now he's a real, live branch. He belongs with us. In fact, even deeper, he is a part of us. And thank God Paul was welcomed into the church. Thank God that this great preacher, this firebrand, this holy apostle who preached the truth of salvation in Jesus alone was not cut off. The Lord, in his providence, did not let that happen. But I wonder how many branches we would hack off if it was totally up to us, if it was left to our own imperfect and short-sighted understanding. Now, thankfully, Jesus himself in our gospel tells us that it is not up to us. He says, my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And everyone that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. That is an immensely important point that Jesus is making for us. My father is the vine grower. The father, not, not us, not me, not you. The father is the one who ultimately trims and prunes this vine that he loves, this vine which is his church, the body of Christ. Everything depends on God, not on us. And that is very freeing. That is liberating. We can then focus on what's most important, which is loving God above all else, abiding in the vine, 
living out the commandments and pursuing God's glory. And God, in the meantime, is so patient with us. He is so tender towards us. He desires us to bear much fruit, and he is willing to do whatever it takes for the branches to stay connected, united with the vine. He demands fruit from us. He expects to find fruit bearing in our lives, of course, but he also is so good that that he doesn't just hack off branches rashly or brutally. He knows how desperately we need the nourishment of the vine, how desperately we need Jesus. It's so easy for us to forget that, though. And so often we assume that it's, it's just up to us and our skills and our abilities and our talents to create our own lives, to fix the world, to fix the church, to make everything we do really, really successful and fruitful and, dare I say, perfect. But that is where we run into trouble. Whenever we try doing all the trimming on our own, when we leave God out of our life projects and plans and attempt to do everything on our own steam, then we only make a mess of things. It's like that crabapple tree. I made a mess of that crabapple tree on my own. St. Vincent de Paul said to his priests once, Believe me, we will never be any use in doing God's work until we become thoroughly convinced that of ourselves, we are better fitted to ruin everything than to make a success of it. Those are wise words from our diocesan patron, St. Vincent de Paul. And almost every single saint of our tradition begins their teaching on growth in the spiritual life with a similar kind of idea. Saints like St. Augustine, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, St. Francis de Sales, St. John Vianney, and so many more, they all start with the same basic concept distrust of self. Distrust of self. That is what I was lacking when I went out there alone and destroyed that poor crabapple tree. And truth be told, distrust of self is a really hard pill for us to swallow today. It flies in the face of all of the messaging that we receive from the world day in and day out. We hear this all the time. Follow your heart. Do what feels right. Go with your gut. Trust your instincts. Believe in yourself. To all of those ideas, the Catholic spiritual tradition says pretty emphatically, beware. Beware. Don't just blindly trust your heart. Don't just trust your instincts or just believe in yourself. No. Why is that? Is it because the Catholic Church wants to control you or oppress people? No, of course not. Instead, it is because the Catholic Church is very realistic and understands the complexities and the difficulties of the human heart. If it was left up to us, our weak hearts and our untrustworthy feelings, we would be liable to hack off all of the most important branches 
of our faith. Ultimately, we'd probably try trimming off God himself. But here's the deal. We are dependent on God, whether we like it or not. And when we finally come to have that, that healthy distrust of self that all the saints talk about, well, then we can hear Jesus' words and find joy and freedom in them when he says, without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. We need him for everything. Every single decision, every choice, every plan, every idea, every good work, every single blessing that we look for, we can do nothing without him. It is such a central verse. In fact, I loved it so much that I had it engraved around the bottom of my chalice. Sine me nihil potestis facere. Apart from me, without me, you can do nothing. I am not just an individual that gets to decide which way my life goes. On my own, I have no power at all, no authority at all, no strength, no life at all. Apart from the Lord Jesus, I'm a branch that, that withers, and I die without him. That's what it means to be on the vine, to be a branch on the vine. Apart from him, and apart from a real, ongoing, interior life, a life of prayer and intimacy with the Lord who loves us so much, we would only be spinning our wheels out We'll get worn out, tired. We'll feel like we've tried everything and we will hack off branches here and there. But we will work ourselves to exhaustion and it will all be fruitless. The bottom line is this. All our work must begin and end in God. It must be fueled and connected to the Holy Spirit, Christ is the source. We are only channels. He is the vine. We are only the branches. Remain in him and trust that the Father of all mercies will do all of the pruning that is necessary.